Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hi, womb wisdom women. I hope that you're doing well and feeling settled wherever you're tuning in from today. At the time of this recording, I'm recently home from a trip our last trip before the arrival of our first baby and really grateful to be back in my own bed, i.e. with my pregnancy pillow (laughs) and I'm in the process of nesting hard. And yeah, in today's episode, I'm excited to talk about the three habits I commonly see women practicing that are often huge contributors to hormonal stress. Before we jump in, I have a favor to ask of you. If you are a frequent listener to the podcast and haven't left us a review on Apple podcasts, would you be so gracious and so kind to head over there and write us a review for the podcast? If you're a new listener and you enjoy this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give us a five-star rating on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and maybe leave a review. This is so helpful to get this content in the ears of more women who would benefit from it and support the work that I do. So thank you so much for helping to support the podcast in this way. And now we can get to business, the business of hormone balance. So what are three habits you might be unconsciously partaking in that could be hurting your hormones? Well, it's definitely possible that there are more than three, but these are the three that I most frequently see in my practice as a hormone and fertility coach. And one of them is sometimes really shocking for ladies as they might even think it's doing them some good for their health. So stick around until we get to the last one. So what is the first habit that might be harming your hormones, your fragrance habit? And I've made this a little bit of a conglomerate habit, but this is for the candle lovers, the woman with the signature perfume, someone who loves a good smelling lotion, has fresh scent laundry or a diffuser stick or air freshener in their bathroom. I'm speaking to the women here who were likely obsessed with Bed Bath & Beyond and Herbal Essence shampoo circa 2008. That was totally me, by the way. And while there is a nice way to enjoy nicely smelling body products and candles in a non-hormone harming way, basically through essential oils or using fresh herbs. The majority of everything with a smell, with a scent in the modern world is a endocrine disruptor, which it means it is a hormone disruptor. 
So if you find yourself getting really excited that fall is coming so that you can start shopping for the pumpkin spice candles, or you give yourself a spritz of like your Marc Jacobs Daisy perfume every time you leave the house, listen up. Synthetic fragrances are often made with phthalates, which due to their unique structure and ability to hold a long lingering smell, they do this by forming bonds with a surface due to their lithalaic structure are oftentimes used to create synthetic fragrances. And phthalates influence hormone systems in several ways. When they're absorbed into the body, they can either mimic or block female hormones, such as estrogen, creating too much or not enough estrogen. Or in males, they can suppress the hormones involved in sexual development by being a chemical that blocks androgens, which are male hormones like testosterone. This is exceptionally evident in the research that Dr. Shauna Swan has done over the past 30 years on phthalates and their influence on reproductive health. What Dr. Swan has shown is that when a baby is exposed to high levels of phthalates in utero, as tested by looking at umbilical cord blood, because mom had increased phthalate exposure during pregnancy, so i.e. like mom has had ex- ex- had increased phthalate exposure during pregnancy, which leads to high levels of phthalates in utero for the baby. Male babies, in this case, were born with shorter perenniums. The perenium is the space between the testicles and the anus, which correlated with decreased testosterone levels and lower sperm count and overall reduced reproductive function when those babies reached reproductive age. Whereas female babies had longer perenniums and it correlated with conditions like PCOS and hormone dysfunction later in life. Yikes. Additionally, synthetic fragrance has been shown to increase DHEA in women, which is an androgenic hormone, again, a male hormone, leading to conditions like PCOS. To add injury to insult, insult injury, chemicals commonly found in fragrance have been linked to to the development of fibroids. In recent studies, fibroids are non-cancerous benign growths that happen in the uterus, but they can cause heavy bleeding. They can cause anemia and fatigue. They can sometimes cause infertility. Five to 10% of women with infertility have fibroids. They can be very disruptive. And the thing with fragrance is that a little bit of it can be in everything. So even if you're not someone who's like a bed, bath and body works person or a Yankee candle, you know, freak, I'm not calling you a freak, but you know what I mean? But you're not aware of how ubiquitous fragrance is in our environments. It could be interfering with your hormone function. A little bit of it in your laundry detergent, some of it in your toilet cleaner, a little more of it in your body wash, a little bit of it in the lining of your trash bags, a little bit of exposure when you're walking through Nordstrom's to get to the rest of the mall. You see what I'm saying? So by not actively seeking out un scented or fragrance-free items, you're going to get a lot of exposure and some exposure you can't even prevent. Right. And I like, I truly hate when I go into an elevator and someone's perfume or cologne is just filling up the space, like stop messing with my hormones, people or Ubers with car air fresheners. Oh my gosh. It's the bane of my existence. 
So if you're a fragrance person, please know that you're not only negative, negatively impacting your own well-being and your own hormones, but others around you when you use these products. I've literally asked to switch tables at restaurants before because someone's scent is so strong and it's ruining my meal. And the wild thing about fragrance. So point being like, if you consider yourself someone who's like really into fragrance, I'm hundred percent speaking to you, but even if you don't, please be aware that it's probably in everything you're using, unless you're actively seeking out for it to not be there. All right. And this is why this is really important. In addition to the fact that it's like a little bit and everything really adds up, but the wild thing about fragrance in this case too, is that it's not just the actual fragrance, but because fragrance, generally speaking is proprietary it can be used as a catch-all on ingredient labels to code, basically not having to tell you all of the ingredients that are in a certain product. There's a documentary that goes into this much deeper. It's called Stink, where he speaks about the fragrance industry and their obsession with protecting their scent formulas. But you'll notice if you look on the label of any personal care or cleaning product, it'll host a, la- uh, you know, it'll share a host of ingredients, right? It'll list all the ingredients that are in it. And then One of the ingredients will be fragrance or parfum, which is French for fragrance. They don't have to tell you what ingredients are being used to make up that fragrance because it's proprietary. So companies can hide products that are known carcinogens, which means cancer causing or known endocrine disruptors under the catch all of fragrance because they legally get to protect their proprietary information of what ingredients make up their fragrance making it impossible for us to determine if a product is safe, if it has fragrance or parfum listed as an ingredient. It just basically means like we don't have to tell you what ingredients we're using to make this fragrance and leaves us with a big question mark as consumers. So what do you do instead? Seek out fragrance-free products. Check your labels on everything and anything you use to clean your home, bring into your home, or put on your body. Use the Environmental Working Group, which has a healthy living app, it's called Healthy Living, to help guide purchasing decisions around buying these kind of personal care or cleaning products and avoid buying endocrine disrupting, i.e. hormone disrupting products. Switch out for products that only use essential oils to create aroma from trusted essential oil brands like Young Living or doTERRA. And educate your friends, maybe even send them this podcast podcast, so that you're not exposed when they are around you, right? Educate your friends. And, you know, if you have someone who's like really into lighting all the candles when you go over to her house, whether or not she's doing it for herself, maybe you can ask her to not light them when you're there. I personally go as far as to ask the Airbnbs that we're staying at if they can wash the linens in a detergent that I request nine out of 10 times they are accommodating. And I really try to limit exposure. So like windows down and Ubers, et cetera. But when I'm out of the house, I accept that I can't control everything. And by knowing that I take care of what's in my home and on my bodies makes a really big difference. Okay. So take responsibility for your own house, for your own body products, and then recognize to some extent, you can't control the world around you, but you can make a positive influence by voting with your dollars and educating those around you. So that was habit number one, your fragrance habit, whether it's intentional or not. And now let's move on to the second habit that is hurting your hormones. 
The second habit is having a coffee before breakfast. And depending on your hormonal state, it may be that you're having caffeine at all. But for the first part of this, at least, I'm mostly going to start with why starting your day with a cup of coffee, either before or as a replacement for breakfast, might be negatively impacting your hormones. So why does that happen? Well, starting off your day with a cup of coffee can really negatively impact your blood sugar. And blood sugar balance is super critical to healthy hormone function. See episode seven uh, for a full rundown on this. I really go deep into blood sugar balance and how it plays into hormone um, function. So head back to episode seven after this, if you want to learn more about that. But starting off your day with a blood sugar roller coaster can really set up for a cascade of unhappy hormones playing into the cortisol, which is our stress hormone, insulin, which is our blood sugar hormone. And then through the systems that interact with those hormones, they make their way over to the reproductive hormones. But if you have a solid breakfast filled with lots of protein, and I'm talking like at least 30 grams and have some healthy fat, which is the most stabilizing macronutrient for blood sugar, and then have a cup of coffee, the impact on your blood sugar will be mitigated to some extent, and you won't have as strong of a cascade of negative impacts on your hormones. Another reason to eat before having your cup of gel is that women metabolize caffeine slower than men, which means that just like if you drank alcohol on an empty stomach, you'd get the stronger effect of it faster. And then in this case, experience the negative side effects stronger as well. So, you know, it it applies the same way to caffeine. So why do you metabolize caffeine slower than your husband might? Well, the female body is so beautifully designed to conserve as much energy from whatever we're consuming as possible so that we can grow tiny little babies in our uteruses. And so much about our bodies is so primal, especially when it comes to hormone function. So whether or not you're actively pregnant, your body is built to retain fluids for much longer and metabolize the chemicals contained much more slowly. Coffee is a stimulant. And it impacts the stress hormone cortisol pretty strongly. And so if you're having it on an empty stomach and it's having a stronger impact on those adrenals where cortisol is made, excuse me, it can really start to create a high cortisol situation in your body. Having stressed adrenals and high cortisol in the body have a really negative impact on hormone balance. So without getting too into the science of it, DHEA, which is a precursor to estrogen and testosterone, should be in a balanced ratio with cortisol, with one of which is anabolic. It builds up tissues in the body, DHEA, and the other is catabolic. It breaks down tissues and in their impact in the body. Okay. So one is anabolic, one is catabolic and high cortisol, which is catabolic levels over time creates adrenal fatigue and starts to break down the hormonal systems in the body. If you're having caffeine after a meal, it is less likely to stress the adrenals. And that said, you know, this is in this is assuming a healthy balanced body. If you're already struggling with significant hormone disruption, disruption, reducing or eliminating caffeine intake will be a really helpful tool to getting back in hormone balance. Okay. Because caffeine can really make PMS worse. It can make period pain stronger. It can irritate the gut, which leads to hormonal issues as well. 
pooping problems become period problems, ladies. So if you're struggling with gut health and the caffeine is really not helping, there's a reason people use caffeine to relieve constipation because it has an impact on the bowels, then it likely isn't serving you, even if you're constipated. So some alternatives to coffee, if you're really needing more than just to not have it before breakfast, can be making a dandy blend latte, making a golden milk, utilizing cacao, which has caffeine, but in much smaller amounts, um, using herbal teas or broth or something warm to replace the ritual of having a coffee and switching to a Swiss water decaf. So Typical decaf coffee is made through a chemical process and that those chemicals are not great for you to be ingesting on a regular basis, but Swiss water process is a process of decaffeinization, which uses water to decaffeinate the beans as opposed to a chemical solvent. So you might consider switching to a Swiss water process decaf could also be a good solution um, and making sure to have a strong breakfast, protein, fat before drinking your coffee, if you are still drinking it. And that will definitely help ensure an easier process for your body to absorb the caffeine and to help your hormone function. Okay. So second habit, drinking coffee before breakfast, potentially depending on where you're at drinking coffee at all. So the third habit that might be hurting your hormones is your consistent workout routine. What? Stephanie, you're crazy. I thought that was helping my hormones. What do you mean my consistent workout routine is potentially hurting my hormones? Well, it really matters what kind of working out we're talking about and what state of hormone function you're already in. Unless your workout routine is cycle informed or very low intensity, there is a chance that it is negatively impacting your hormones. Now, if you're super consistent about going to yoga, I'm likely not speaking to you unless it's like a hot power sculpt yoga. But if you have a workout routine that looks like going to a boot camp class like Orange Theory or Berries four times a week or more every week of the month, or you have a heavily cardio focused workout schedule, or you're a daily runner or spin class maniac who doesn't cycle sync your workouts, the high intensity and cardio driven workouts without balancing them with mo- more low intensity workouts or breaks during the appropriate times of your cycle are likely contributing to more hormone imbalance than they are helpful to you. In my online course, Fertility Freedom Academy, which is an amazing DIY course that you can use to optimize your fertility, I'll link it in the show notes. I speak to different studies that indicate while moderate exercise is beneficial to all people with ovaries who are trying to conceive, vigorous exercise, which is defined as more than five hours of high-intensity exercise per week, may only be beneficial to women with a high body fat percentage and may actually reduce the chances of getting pregnant for other women. 
Yeah, it's wild. So while I don't see this with every client, there is often an archetype of someone who's gotten really into a certain kind of fitness, is not cycle syncing and switching up their activity and intensity level based on their biology throughout the month that are creating an internal burnout in their body, negatively impacting their hormone balance. And sometimes this happens quickly if someone is already depleted, but other times this can take years for the impacts of this to truly be felt. I commonly see this in women who used to compete in bikini competitions or who were our fitness coaches who went through the ringer with their body, pushing it to the limits and then found themselves with uncontrollable weight gain and sometimes thyroid hormone disorders, adrenal fatigue, and so many other hormonal symptoms. There, of course, is some nuance here based on everyone's individual body and response to movement. One key indicator to look for is how energized you are after working out and how long it takes you to recover. If you feel gassed after exercise instead of energized, you likely went too hard. The best way to prevent your exercise habit from hurting your hormones is to cycle inform and cycle sync your movement. This would look like resting on the days that you're bleeding especially the first three, if you bleed for longer than three days or doing very restorative movement, like yin yoga, very light walking, etc. During that time, then during your follicular phase, which is from the time you stop bleeding till right before you get ready to ovulate practicing cardio that you enjoy. And then hitting the hardest intensity movement of the month during your ovulation phase. Then you bring down the cardio and prioritize resistance training, like weightlifting in the first half of your luteal phase, and then bring back down the intensity even more for the second half of your luteal phase, leading up to the days in which you'll bleed activities in those days will be like, like leading up to your period. It could be like yoga, light mat Pilates, things like that. I'm sure we'll do a podcast on exercise and movement in the cycle phases more in the future. But in the meantime, make sure you follow me on Instagram where I share loads of cycle syncing tips on the reg. So there you have it, ladies, the three habits that are harming your hormones. I'd love to hear from you, which of these you were most surprised by, which resonated the most and any lifestyle changes that you're making based on this episode. Always feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or even better share this episode and tag me at Stephanie Adler wellness also linked in the show notes to let us know what you loved about this episode. Again, if you could head over to Apple podcast and leave us a review or rate us wherever you're listening, I'd be so, so grateful in balance and health. Until next week, lots of love, Stephanie.